This is Tina Douglas, and you're listening to the Liam Photography Podcast with your host, my husband, Liam Douglas. Enjoy! Greetings, everybody. You're listening to the Liam Photography Podcast. I'm your host, Liam Douglas, and this is episode 128. I want to take a moment right now to thank all of my listeners for subscribing, rating, and reviewing in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and anywhere else you might be getting your podcasts. So for today's episode, it is Sunday, February 7th, 2021, and as normal for Sundays, I am covering the latest news and rumors roundup from the Big Four camera rumor sites of Canon rumors, Nikon rumors, Fuji rumors, and Sony Alpha rumors. So let's get into it and see what we have for this week. Let's do this! Okay, first up from CanonRumors.com, the Canon Cinema EOS C300 Mark II is the top choice for documentary filmmakers at Sundance 2021. The Sundance Film Festival wrapped this past week, the largest independent film festival in the United States. Beyond the films, I also find it interesting which cameras are used to make the films in the festival. The choice cameras tend to differ a lot between documentary filmmakers and narrative filmmakers. This year, the Canon Cinema EOS C300 Mark II was the runaway choice for documentary filmmakers. It was used in eight of the 18 documentaries shown at Sundance. YM Cinema dug deeper into each film to come up with the above chart showing all of the primary cameras used for each film at Sundance. The Cinema EOS C300 Mark II was the king of documentaries, as its affordable price, ease of use, compact, and it's just as reliable as any professional Canon camera. It's the ideal camera for single-shooter productions. On the narrative side of things, ARRI, A-R-R-I, remains king with the ARRI Alexa Mini, far and away the most popular camera for productions. Outside of that, you can get, get a hodgepodge of all sorts of cameras from RED, Sony, and Blackmagic, And even the Canon EOS 5D Mark III and the 5D Mark IV made the list. And of course, I'll include a link to this article and all articles in the show notes for this episode so that my listeners can check them out for themselves. Next up, stock notice. Canon EOS R5 body is available at Adorama. Adorama finally has stock of the EOS R5 body for $38.99. Key features for the R5, high image quality featuring a new 45 megapixel full-frame CMOS sensor, Digic-X image processor with an ISO range of 100 to 51,200, expandable to the super snowstorm of 102,400. Dual pixel CMOS AF covering approximately 100% with 1,053 AF areas, subject tracking of people and animals using deep learning technology, in-body image stabilization can provide up to eight stops of shake correction. Dual card slots for CF Express and UHS Type 2 memory cards. Built-in 0.5-inch 5.76 million dot OLED EVF with 120 frame per second refresh rate with a very angle LCD touchscreen. 2.4 gigahertz built-in Wi-Fi Bluetooth technology. 
And as I mentioned, the camera retails at $38.99 for the body only. So it is great to see the Adorama finally has the R5s in stock. Once again, for any of you that have been waiting patiently for your opportunity to pick one up, now would be the time to do it before they're sold out once again. Next up, Canon celebrates significant milestone with production of 150 million interchangeable RF and EF lenses. All Canon seems to do is sell stuff, now surpassing 150 million lenses produced. It has taken Canon about two years since reaching the 140 million lens milestone. The addition of the RF lineup is going to keep that number climbing for the foreseeable future. From their press release, Melville, New York, February 3rd, 2021, Canon USA Inc., a leader in digital imaging solutions, announced today that its parent company, Canon Incorporated, reached a new lens manufacturing milestone with the production in January 2021 of the company's 150 millionth RF and EF series interchangeable lenses for EOS cameras. An RF 70-200 LIS USM telephoto zoom lens released in November of 2019. Production of interchangeable EF lenses for Canon EOS series AF autofocus single lens reflex film cameras began in 1987 at the company's uh plant. Over the years, EF lenses have gained support from a wide range of users and production has since expanded to a total of four manufacturing bases, including Canon Inc., Taiwan, Canon Opto, Malaysia, uh, SDN, BHD, and OITA Canon Inc. in South Japan. EF lens production passed the 10 million unit mark in 1995, and it crossed the 150 million mark threshold in 2009. In April 2014, the, cam, the company celebrated its first in the world achievement of having manufactured 100 million interchangeable lenses, and now setting a new world record for the most interchangeable lenses produced, Canon manufactured its 150 millionth RF and EF lenses in January of 2021. Laid end-to-end, -end, all of the RF and EF lenses Canon has manufactured thus far would measure approximately 7,736 miles in length, nearly equivalent to the Earth's diameter, which is, measures approximately 7,917 miles. Canon's proprietary EF lenses, launched in March of 1987 along with the EOS SLR camera system, have continued to evolve since their introduction, leading the industry through the incorporation of a wide range of innovative technologies, including such world's first as the ultrasonic motor, USM, the image stabilizer, IS technology, and a multi-layered diffractive optical or DO element. In 2018, Canon introduced the EOS R system in the RF series lenses, which pursues new heights of quality under the core concept of speed, comfort, and high image quality. Today, the company's extensive RF and EF lens series lineup currently comprises a total of 118 models, expanding the possibilities for image capture. In addition, thanks to the extensive lineup of lenses, Canon has maintained the number one market share for digital interchangeable lens cameras since 2003. A total of 17 years, and in September of 2019, the company celebrated the production of 100 million EOS series interchangeable lens cameras. Canon will continue refining its image technologies centered on its RF and EF lens lineup, striving to cater to the varying needs of photographers, from first-time shooters to advanced amateurs and professionals, while contributing 
to expanding the photographic and video imaging culture. Canon's lens technology milestones, the EF 300mm f2.8L USM released in November of 1997, world's first use of a lens-based ultrasonic motor or USM technology. Uh, the EF 70-300 F4256 ISUSM September 1995 release, world's first use of image stabilizer technology. The EF 400mm F4DO ISUSM released in December 2001, world's first use of a diffractive optical lens element or DO. The EF 24mm F1.4L Mark II USM, released in December 2008, world's first use of a sub-wavelength structured coating, or SWC. The EF 100mm F2.8L Macro IS USM, released in October 2009, world's first use of hybrid IS, which compensates for both angle camera shake and shift camera shake. The EF 8-15 F4L Fisheye USM, released in July 2011, world's first fisheye lens to deliver both 180-degree diagonal angle of view and 180-degree circular fisheye. The EF 200-400 F4L IS USM Extender 1.4 times, released in May of 2013, world's first super telephoto zoom lens to employ an internal extender. The EF 11-24 F4L USM released in February of 2015, world's first lens offering multi-wide angle 11mm minimal, foca, uh, minimal focal length. And the RF 28-70 F2L USM released in December of 2018, world's first standard zoom lens to deliver F2 aperture across the entire zoom range. So Canon has a ton of milestones in their lens division in addition to hitting the milestone of 150 million manufactured lenses as of last month. So impressive news and an impressive feat for Canon as a company. They continue to innovate and bring new wonderful lens technology to the market that help out everyone from amateurs to professional video and photo shooters. Next up, there will be an EOS M, EF-M announcement this year. This is a CR1 rumor, which means it's a possibility, but the source is unconfirmed. Oh no, I am going to have to eat crow about the future of EOS M. I don't believe so, but I have received some pretty cryptic information about an EOS M camera coming apparently in 2021. I have been told that Canon plans to pivot the EOS M system in a new direction. Was this only brought to my attention because of the recent reporting about the PowerShot lineup moving in a new direction, or is this something that's act or is there something actually to it? You can remember that we have seen some very in-depth uh, in-depth patents recently showing a new type of ILC camera that Canon appears to have an EFM mount. The same source also told me that you're going to have to wait until later in 2021 to learn more about what Canon plans to do with the EOS M series. Now, I'm not going to going back and forth for the clicks. I'm just reporting things that I think are relevant. I still don't believe EOS M as it currently sits, has much of a future, but maybe there are other things planned. I can already hear the Twitter EOS M lovers. <laughs> and it is intriguing. Um, I could see it being a possibility that Canon may shift the EOS M series in a new direction, but I still agree with the owner of Canon rumors that the EOS M lens 
uh, EOS M system is not long in this world. I have a feeling it will be discontinued probably by the end of 2021, maybe 2022. We'll have to wait and see, but I just don't see Canon keeping it around long term when they're already planning to release APS-C RF mount bodies. It'd be kind of silly to have two different uh, APS-C mirrorless platforms on the market. Next up, Lamography launches the RF Atoll 17mm f2.8 art lens via Kickstarter. Lamography has launched the Atoll 17mm art lens for full-frame mirrorless cameras, including the EOS RF mount. You can save $150 by ordering this uh, this lens. The Atoll ultra-wide 17mm f2.8 art get Interpret, designed for full-frame mirrorless Canon RF, Nikon Z, and Sony E cameras, and rangefinder coupled for M-mount analog and digital cameras. Stay extra, impressive, ultra-wide, 103-degree field of view with minimal distortion, vibrant colors, and strong contrast. Go bold, closing uh, closest focusing distance of 0.1 meters with Canon RFs, Nikon Z, Sony E cameras, and 0.25 meters with M-mount cameras. Be brave, great low-light performance, and enhanced rectilinear optic design, roam-free, compact, and optimized for photo and video with helicoid focusing mechanism, dampened aperture control ring, and short focus throw. The world is your oyster. Stop still and admit and amid the sea of city slickers coursing through the gritty streets, wade deep into the darkness, green forests, and swim along the towering pines. Cast off into the sandy desert, voyage into vast open vistas, surf the sidewalk, cruise through the crowds, and glide along great open roads. Take a deep breath, dive in with your eyes wide open, set your sights on new ultra-wide possibilities, and drench every inch of your shots in stunning detail and vivid contrast with the Lomography Atoll Ultra-Wide Art Lens. Join us on Kickstarter, where the Lomography Atoll Ultra-Wide Art Lens will be available to backers at an unrivaled starting price of $399 US, with savings of up to $150 to be made. Soak up the close-ups with the Lomography Atoll Ultra-Wide Art Lens. You can get impossibly close to your subject whilst also capturing the action all around them in jaw-dropping detail. Render every pimple, dimple, and wrinkle in the foreground as close as 0.1 meters whilst keeping the beautiful, bustling background in piercing focus as well. Use the optical viewfinder for accurate composition with angular cameras and add charisma to every one of the 103-degree angle of view through the optic's superb rendition of colors and lights. With the Atoll Ultrawide Art Lens comes a new way to see the world, a refreshingly expansive perspective, an invitation to blow your own expectations wide open. Your ultra-wide shots will exaggerate relative size and boast impressive depth for eye-catching, inspiring, immersive photography and film. Glide between photo and film, the Lomography Atoll Ultra-Wide Art Lens has been designed with both photographers and filmmakers in mind. Sliding between the two setups has never been so easy. Capture landscape, action, street, and travel photography, as well as breathtaking film, from uh, dynamic documentary to awe-inspiring action-adventure. Make your subjects the center of attention and lay their souls bare in every shot. With a modern uh, helicoid focusing mechanism, dampened aperture control ring, and short focus throw, you can seamlessly adjust focus and S-stop whilst the camera is rolling for quick, quiet, creative control. 
Take the lid off your imagination, galvanize your versatility, and let the magic of your mind's eye pour out. Technical specifications, focal length 17mm, format coverage 35mm full frame, field of view is 103 degrees, lotus lens hood, yes, lens construction, 13 multi-coated elements in 10 groups, focusing is manual, closest focus distance 0.1 meters for Canon, Nikon, and Sony, 0.25 meters for M-mount. Maximum aperture is f2.8. Aperture construction is eight blades from f2.8 to f22. Aperture ring is dampened. Depth of field scale, yes. M mount native and Nikon RF, or Canon RF, Nikon Z, and Sony E with close up lens base. Electronic contacts, no. M mount rangefinder coupling, yes. M mount uh, frame line, 28 millimeters. External optical viewfinder, yes. Material sandblasted anodized aluminum. Dimensions including lotus lens hood and close-up lens base. 87 millimeters for Canon RF. 91 millimeters for Nikon Z. 89 millimeters for Sony E. Uh, 73 millimeters by 79 millimeters for the M mount. Available on Kickstarter from 3.99 US dollars. Estimated retail price 5.49 US dollars. Delivery date August of 2021. So this is definitely an intriguing new lens, and it looks like it's one that's probably going to be pretty popular, especially if you get in early on the Kickstarter. Now keep in mind. Kickstarter is not a store, so when you pledge your money on there, there's no absolute guarantee you're going to receive the product. People have been burned in the past, but there are also a lot of legitimate companies that have been very successful on Kickstarter. Peak Design is one that readily comes to mind. Just bear that in mind before you part with your cold, hard cash so that you aren't possibly disappointed down the road. Next up, will there be any announcements from Canon ahead of CP Plus this month? The CP Plus camera and photo imaging show in Yokohama, Japan is normally a time that the Japanese camera companies make major announcements or show off major products that haven't begun shipping. The Canon EOS 1DX Mark III and the Canon EOS RP are a couple of the big announcements in the last couple of years. Obviously, this is not a normal year. So is Canon going to be announcing anything ahead of CP Plus 2021 virtual trade show that begins on February 25th? Judging by the lack of leaks, patents, and other signs pointing to a major product announcement for the moment, it looks like Canon is going to be pretty quiet for the show. I was thinking about what Canon could do for the show to build a little buzz if they aren't going to make a camera announcement. A new feature firmware update for cameras like the EOS R5, R6, the 1DX Mark III would make a lot of people happy. A development announcement of a lens or two, and they could tease the RF lens roadmap a bit. Another concept camera to, to show the new direction of the PowerShot brand, but we did just get the official announcement of the PowerShot picks. There are two other possibilities. They've closed the leaks or they simply aren't going to showcase anything new this year. Whatever happens, I think something should be announced to get Canon's name back in the news uh, for the news uh, cycle for imaging. So we'll have to wait and see. There could be more to come, but only time will tell. We will just have to wait and be patient for the end of February to see if they do make any major announcements at CP+. And last up for Canon rumors for this week, two new cinema EOS cameras coming in the first half of 2021. This is a CR2 level rumor. 
I have been told that Canon still plans to announce two new cinema cameras in the first half of 2021. I was also told that a third one would come in the second half of 2021 and that it would most likely be the 8K Cinema EOS camera. NAB show is taking place in October 2021, so that seems like a logical time for the big 8K announcement. The two cameras mentioned for the announcement in the first half are the Canon Cinema EOS C50 box camera and the Canon Cinema EOS C200 Mark II. I have published the rumored specs for the Canon Cinema EOS C50, but I haven't had any real update on the camera in quite some time. As for the the EOS C200 Mark II, I haven't been given any specifics for the camera, but I would expect something to hit my inbox in the next little while if the camera is indeed coming in the next few months. As always, the pandemic could do pandemic things to manufacturing and product announcements. You may recall a mention of the Cinema EOS C90 camera. Unfortunately, I've never had any follow-up to the original suggestion. The Cinema EOS C50 rumored specifications, Super 35mm 4K sensor, same as the Cinema EOS C200, no IBIS RF mount, internal ND, 10 stops, C-Log 2 and 3, 420 8-bit internally onto SD cards up to 4K60 and 1080-120, 422 10-bit external in HD, no RAW, dual LPE6NH battery slots. And that is all we have for that one, and that wraps up Canon Rumors for this week. All right, and now we'll pause for a brief break here, and then we'll continue with Nikon Rumors for this week. We hope you're enjoying this edition of the Liam Photography Podcast. The best way to support the show is to subscribe in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or anywhere else that you get your podcasts. If you want to leave comments or suggestions for future episodes, you can call or text the show at area code 470-294-8191. And you can email the show at liam at liamphotographypodcast.com. You can find the show notes and links at liamphotographypodcast.com. And you can tweet the show at liamphotoatl using the hashtag liamphotopodcast. And now, back to the show. And we're back. First up from Nikon Rumors for this week, best SD memory cards for the Nikon Z7 II mirrorless camera. Uh, Let's see, Camnostic tested several different SD memory cards on the Nikon Z7 II mirrorless camera. Here are their findings. Spoiler alert, the best SD memory cards on the 7.2 are the Delkin, ProGrade Cobalt, Sony, and SanDisk. We had a Nikon Z7 II in the Camnostic office for a few days, so we opted to put it through its paces, and among these, those paces was a test of a stack of SD cards to see which ones appeared to perform best with the unit. The upshot, the faster Delkins, ProGrade Cobalt, Sony, and SanDisk cards performed at a level above all the others when thinking about how many still pictures can be taken before things slow down. From a bang-for-the-buck perspective, it was hard to beat the Delkin Power or the ProGrade Cobalt. Lexar factors closely but has warranty issues in some cases due to uh, trade sanctions. Below is a chart in the blue of how many frames can be taken by the Nikon Z7 II uncompressed RAW in 30 seconds. Superimposed on that in orange is the cost per meg- uh, megabyte as measured at b in the fall prior to holiday deals. 
you can see the two different levels of performance, those cards that are UHS-2 contacts and those that had used just UHS-1 contacts. As is often the case, there are some exceptions that tend to be a camera model dependent. In this case, the Toshiba Xeria Pro looks like it was functioning as a UHS-1 card, perhaps indicating a firmware or other incompatibility with the Z7 II and its UHS-2 compatibility. We happen to have two of those cards on hand and both performed in the same fashion. So it is interesting to see this. And like I said, you can check out the chart on the performance in the show notes for this episode. But it is good to see that people are testing performance with various SD cards in these camera bodies to see how their performance is and share that information with my listeners as well as the readers at NikonRumors.com. Next up, what's coming next from Nikon? What to expect next from Nikon? Nikon Z mirrorless cameras. Nikon will announce a new APS-C mirrorless camera in the first half of 2021. I assume it will be positioned below the current Z50 model, maybe a Z30. This model will most likely come without an EBF. I do not expect any other cameras to be introduced in the first six months. The Nikon Z8 or Z9 mirrorless camera with 8K video and a 60 megapixel sensor to compete with the Sony A1. Some websites report a 45 megapixel sensor for this model. I personally don't think this makes any sense since the Z7 II already has a 45 megapixel sensor. The official announcement is expected in the second half of the year. For Nikkor Z lenses, the Nikkor Z 24-105 f2.8-4 S, the Nikkor 100-400mm f4-5.6 VR S, the Nikkor Z 400mm f2.8, the Nikkor Z 200-600mm, and the Nikkor Z 105mm macro. For Nikon F-mount, two new Nikon DSLR cameras and several F-mount lenses coming in 2021. A Nikon D850 replacement is still expected in 2021. Nikon may delay or cancel any F-mount products at any time given the latest surge of mirrorless. So we'll have to wait and see exactly what Nikon will be coming out with this year. Now, I think it is likely that they will release a Z30. I'm going to agree and call it that for now. Uh, to be more of an entry-level mirrorless APS-C body priced below the Z50 and more than likely, as stated in the article, without an EVF. But we will have to wait and see. Next up, Fabian Offner is creating art by cutting Nikon cameras into pieces. Fabian Offner is creating art by cutting Nikon cameras into multiple pieces, reassembling them in a new composition, and then preserving them for eternity in a block of resin. Check his website and Instagram account for more info on this project, and there is also an accompanying video that's two minutes long in this article, which of course will be in the show notes. It is interesting to see what he is doing with these Nikon Nikon cameras, cutting them apart and then reassembling them as works of art. A Nikon cut into 11 segments rearranged into a sculpture that looks like being dragged apart by centrifugal forces. And there's another one here. Oh, actually, there's several of them here. These look interesting for sure. A Nikon D800 carefully cut into 11 pieces. Uh, slices, no Photoshop, no render, 100% real. And it almost looks like the camera is uh, kind of melting or leaning and fanning apart. So it is interesting to see the sculptures that he is coming up with from <laughs> destroyed Nikon cameras. I hope to God he's at least buying used cameras that are 
defunct or have issues or something and destroying them and not destroying brand new cameras. But you never know if you remember uh, when Kai Wan was uh, when Kai W was at uh, Digital Rev TV, he was famous for doing YouTube videos for their channel in which he would set brand new cameras on fire and do all the other manners of crazy things to them to destroy them as part of his testing their durability videos and always made me cringe to see him destroy brand new cameras, especially when you think of the cost per body. Next up, the Nikon Nikkor Z58mm 50, F095S knocked lens now in stock. The Nikon Noct lens was out of stock for months. A new batch was recently shipped in the U.S., and the lens is now in stock at Adorama, Amazon, and B&H. Previous coverage of the Noct lens can be found in this previous article. Now, keep in mind, this is the lens that Nikon released that's $8,000. Why somebody would want to spend $8,000 on a 58mm lens, no less, is beyond me. In addition, the lens is extremely large and super, super heavy. So if you are looking to get one of these, they're back in stock, but I could think of better ways to spend $8,000 than on one lens. Next up, Nikon Q3 financial results are out. Record quarterly sales for mirrorless cameras. Today, as of February 4th, Nikon released their Q3 financial results. Here is a recap for the imaging business. Record quarterly sales for mirrorless cameras. Deficit is shrank uh, shrank despite decline in revenue. So <laughs> uh, there's some typos in that segment. Uh, segment was profitable in real terms, excluding factors such as restructuring relevant expenses. Brisk sales of new products in mirrorless cameras and lenses. Mirrorless bodies and lenses reached record highs for quarterly sales volumes and revenues on contribution from new products such as the Z67, uh, Z62 and Z72. Summary of the overall Nikon Q3 financial results, revenue 150.6 billion yen, operating profit 9.9 billion yen, revenue down 2.8 billion yen, operating profit surpassed by 5.9 billion yen, decrease in revenue and increase in operating costs year over year, surplus in all segments except extraordinary costs, imaging products, record quarterly sales for mirrorless cameras, Deficit shrank despite decline in revenue thanks to improved existing mix and reduced business cost. Segment was profitable in real terms, excluding factors such as restructuring relevant expenses. Precision equipment increase in revenue and profit by increased sales of FPD lithography systems. Healthcare turned profitable on quarterly record high sales of retinal diagnostic imaging systems. Note for the imaging business, quote, Record quarterly sales for mirrorless cameras. That's the same segment I read a moment ago. Here are the results for the imaging business, and there is an accompanying chart. And I will make sure this is included in the show notes so that my listeners can check it out for themselves. New reports suggest Nikon will close two lens factories in Japan. A recent report from Nikkei Translated indicates that Nikon will close two domestic camera lens factories due to market shrinkage. Quote, at the end of March, Nikon will suspend operations at its Nagai plant, Nagai City, uh, Yamagata Prefecture, and the Azu plant uh, in the Fukushima Prefecture, which produce interchangeable lenses for digital cameras. Domestic production of interchangeable lenses will be concentrated at the factory in Ottawa City, 
uh, in Tojichi Prefecture, as the camera market continues to shrink due to the spread of smartphones, the production systems will be reviewed to reduce costs. In August, the two factories owned by the subsidiary and uh, TNI Kojoyo uh, will be closed. 108 employees working at the factory and 54 employees at the Azu factory are in Ottawa City. Another report from the December of last year suggests that after 70 years, Nikon will end camera production in Japan and will be moving manufacturing to Thailand by the end of 2021. These are just some of the many steps Nikon has taken in the past few years to reduce costs and improve their bottom line, which, as I've mentioned in numerous previous episodes, they've been hemorrhaging tens of millions of dollars for several years now. Um, So it is good to see that they're restructuring and hopefully it'll help Nikon survive as a camera manufacturer. Last up from Nikon Rumors for this week, released firmware update 2.0 for the Megadap MTZ11 Leica M lenses to Nikon uh, Leica M lenses to Nikon Z camera autofocus adapter. The Megadap released a new firmware update version 2.0 for their Leica M lens to Nikon Z camera autofocus adapter available for sale at Photo Rumors online store with free worldwide shipping with several improvements, faster AFS less focus hunting, improved AFC performance, more accurate face and eye detection, smoother AFF, and more precise continuing focus. Default focal length as 50 millimeters can overwrite the focal length manually. Fixed extension uh, or retraction problem with the adapter when the camera is off. Fix the automatic restart of adapter for shooting long exposure photos over 70 seconds. Fixed error and EXIF reading. There is an accompanying video with this. In addition, the Photo Rumors online store, the Megadap MTZ11 adapter, can also be purchased at Adorama, B&H, Amazon, and eBay. And that is a wrap for Nikon Rumors for this week. And now let's move on over to Fuji Rumors and see what he has in store for us for this week. First up, Fujifilm GFX 100S, quote, more than full frame promo series and how suddenly sensor size does not matter anymore for some YouTubers. Fujifilm has launched a series of promo videos called More Than Full Frame, but unlike the title might suggest, the promo videos talk less about specs but are more on the inspirational side, and I like that for sure. I will share all videos below, but let me add a little note first. After the Fujifilm GFX 100S was announced, I saw a few videos of big YouTubers who consistently stood behind full frame as the only real professional format, ignoring that of Fuji's APS-C cameras creamed off the most prestigious awards, saying basically the following things about the GFX 100S. Having a 70% fuller sensor than full frame does not really make a lot of difference. Having more pixels and a bit more dynamic range does not really make a lot of difference. It is more important to have passion for photography and have a system that inspires you to shoot. Sure, I can understand that some influencers who have strong connections with brands that don't produce medium format cameras and are not committed to APS-C are arguing a bit contradictory and confusing these days. If they say sensor size does not matter, then people will ask them, so why not go with cheaper and smaller APS-C systems? And if they say sensor size matters, then people will ask them, well, then why not go with GFX? In this regard, I respect YouTubers like Tony Northrup, who just consistently say that he does that he does care about megapixels and the more megapixels he gets, the better it is for him. Or also Jared Poland, who in a video asked Fujifilm to send him a GFX 100S for testing. But Jared, maybe we should, we could schedule a call 
first to organize a Fuji crash course so that you avoid flaming again, that you can't move the focus point while face detection is enabled with smiley faces. And what does Fuji rumor say about the sensor size debate? Simple and true, every system has its strengths. As for hybrid cameras, I consider APS-C the ultimate sweet spot, and so do these industry insiders like Richard Butler from DP Review and Company. There are APS-C specific advantages and also GFX specific advantages, and of course, full frame has its strengths as well. It's just great we have all this choice, and whatever people pick, it's surely the best system for their needs. Personally, I've been very happy with my Fujifilm X system. It's so flexible, small lenses, big lens, fast lens, compact lens, bulky camera, super compact camera, affordable, expensive, hyperbolic specs, simplicity, retro, modern. There is just so much to pick from depending on needs and taste in the Fujifilm X system that I personally do not see any need to go full frame. I'd lose more than I'd gain from my personal needs and preferences. If I'd add a system to my camera bag at this point, I'd just go for the very best image quality I can get for a reasonable price. Hence, with a sensor that's 70% fuller than full frame, especially now where the Fujifilm GFX 100S dropped for a price cheaper than the Sony A1 and a body smaller than the Panasonic S1R. That's just me, my needs, my taste, and totally personal. If you shoot full frame and say it's the best of the best, then it surely uh, then it surely is like this for you, and you are blessed with lots of mirrorless options as well. The Fujifilm GFX 100S can be bought at B&H Photo, Amazon US, Adorama, and Focus Camera, and the new Fujinon GF 80mm f1.7 that was announced alongside the camera is available from the same retailers. And there are some... Interesting videos from Fuji that are included in this article from the official Fuji GFX GFX YouTube channel that you can check out for yourself. And I do agree with the owner of Fuji Rumors. Everything is dependent on your needs, your taste, and your style. I would never presume to tell anybody that APS-C is better than full frame or full frame is better than APS-C or medium format mirrorless is better than full frame and APS-C. It all comes down to your personal taste, style, and what you're looking to create. Now, me personally, as I've shared many times on this show, I currently shoot Canon full frame as well as Fujifilm GFX, and I love both systems, and I get unique results with each platform. Um, and that's just the way it is. I thought about the possibility of selling off my Canon gear and switching to the Fujifilm X series uh, for more compact, lightweight options. But at the time, I was thinking that there were more third-party lenses for Fujifilm X mount than there currently are. And to be honest, some of Fuji's X lenses are super expensive, just like the GFX ones are. So I guess for the time being, I'm going to stay put or maybe even reconsider the possibility of switching my full frame from Canon to Sony. I don't know yet. It's just ideas that I have bouncing around in my head. I constantly have things turning and churning up there. So uh, for the time being, I'm going to stick with uh, my Fujifilm GFX 50R and my Canon R bodies and just continue creating what I like to create. Next up, Fujinon GF 80mm f1.7 first looks and strong pre-orders. On January 27th, Fujifilm announced three lenses, the Fujinon GF 80mm f1.7, the XF70-300, and the XF27mm f2.8 Mark II. Guess which one enjoyed the strongest pre-orders on Fuji Rumors? 
It's the most expensive one, the GF 80 millimeter F 1.7. The lens is marked as a top seller at B&H Photo and Amazon US stopped taking pre-orders on it. We have already seen in our live uh, big live blog that the feedback on this lens is spectacular. Now we add a few more first uh, for 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 few more first looks to it. Um, and as I mentioned before, you can get the GFX 100S and the 80 millimeter lens at those four retailers in the U.S. And there are some great accompanying videos here on the Fujifilm GF 80 millimeter f 1.7 lens that you can check out for yourself. This does look like an incredible lens. It may be one that I consider getting down the road. I don't know yet. I haven't quite decided on that factor. Next up, the Cam Lens 32mm f1.1 for Fujifilm X to be released February 12th. Uh, here are the main specs, 32,000 yen converted to about $300, manual focus only, nine elements in seven groups, including five pieces of high refraction glass, 40 centimeter minimum focus distance, 11 circular aperture blades, size 92 by 70 millimeters, weight 601 grams, filter size 62 millimeters. Camlin lenses for Fujifilm X can be found at Amazon US, Amazon Denmark, and Amazon United Kingdom. So that is interesting to see this lens coming out. It is a manual-only lens, but it is intriguing at 32 millimeters and f1.1 and only $300. That's impressive. I'll have to keep an eye on this one and see what the reviewers have to say about it once it's officially out. Next up, Fujifilm GFX 100S Nostalgic Negative Development Story, Recommended Settings, Samples, Exceeding Full Frame, and Fujifilm X-Lab. In the previous and very interesting Fujifilm X-Lab episode, Fujifilm engineers and managers showed us a disassembled Fujifilm GFX 100S and explained to us how they were able to reduce the size of the 100S by 30% compared to the original GFX 100. Now the second part related to the GFX 100S has gone live. It's again in Japanese and, rely, and we rely on automatic Google translation tool, but to spare you the suffering to go through it, I will sum it up for you. It's all nicely listed down below. I will also share some nostalgic negative sample images that Jonas Rask has published on our wonderful GFX Facebook group. For the full set of samples, check out Jonas's GFX group at the link in this uh, article. The Fujifilm X-Lab, the GFX 100S, nostalgic negative. Image quality is not just resolution, but also colors, reproduction, gradation, reproduction, dynamic range. The GFX 100S images are in the 8x10 large format class in terms of film. I want you to experience a world that exceeds full frame. New nostalgic negative film simulation. Three years ago, the manager wanted a film simulation with a nostalgic sound. They wanted to develop it for X-Pro3, but the X-Series does not have the same color reproduction like the GFX series does. Um, and I'm not going to go through and read all of the rest of this that was translated from Google. Number one, I don't know how accurate it all is. You can read it all for yourself if you want to. But summing it up, before closing up, here are just uh, here are just how Jonas Rask described Nostalgic Negative in his GFX 100S first look that we shared in our huge live blog here. Quote, it features gorgeous cyan blue tones, deep reds, punchy greens, and the best yellow reproduction in any of the film simulations. Even though it looks a bit like classic negative at first sight, tonality-wise and saturation-wise, these two film simulations are actually polar opposites. 
where classic negative features a harder tonality with a lowered saturation. Nostalgic negative features a softer tonality with added saturation. It's definitely best used for sunny days. To me, the talk about Fujifilm's latest film simulation shows way more than just how the film simulation has been developed. It also shows the huge photographic culture of Fujifilm. These are not people who sit down and just try to figure out how to put more mind-blowing specs like 8K into a camera, but they curate aspects of photography in their cameras and other brands often don't. From the vast offering of cameras with vintage controls to the deep look into the art of the colors. For example, the same guy at Fujifilm who crafted the original films like Velvia is still in charge of developing new film simulations. Yep, he is responsible for Fujifilm's color science for the last 50 years. We've reported about uh, Minami San here, a life devoted to colors. And you can check that out in the show notes for this article, uh, for this episode for yourself. Next up, the Fringer NF2FX firmware version 1.2.0 has been released. Firmware 1.2.0 for this autofocus adapter is now available for download. You can buy the Fringer Nikon F to Fujifilm X Smart AF adapter from B&H Photo, Amazon US, and Adorama. Here are the details. Fringer keeps working on testing and optimizing more lenses. According to users' feedback, there are more there are strong demands on AFS 70 to 200 2.8 G VR first generation, AFS 500 millimeter F56 E, PF ED VR, and more. Now Fringer has added them to the list of supported lenses. Uh, added following lenses to be tested and optimized lens list is included the AFS Nikkor 500mm f56 E PF ED VR, the AFS Nikkor 500mm f5.6 E PF ED VR plus the 1.4 tele extender, the AFS Nikkor 500mm same lens with the 1.7x, and AFS Nikkor. Uh, the same lens with the 2X, the AFS Nikkor 70 to 200 2.8 GEDVR, as well as the same lens with the 1.4X, 1.7, and 2X, the AFS Nikkor 35mm F1.8 GED, the AFS Nikkor 28 to 300mm F3.5 to 5.6 GEDVR, the AFS DX Nikkor 10 to 24, 35 to 4.5 GED, the Sigma 17 to 70 F2.8 to 4 DC Macro OS HSM, and the Sigma 50mm F1.4 EXDG HSM. Uh, the AFS 500 F5.6 EPF EDVR is the only one with this spec in the market that is so small and lightweight. It looks almost the same size as the 70 to 200 2.8. Don't forget, it's a 500 millimeter lens. Now it works very well on Fujifilm. Although it's very old, AFS 70 to 200 2.8 GVR1 is very popular. Now Fringer has added it to the list and it works very well on Fujifilm cameras as well. Please visit the Fringer website to download the new firmware and release notes. Follow the instructions in the release note or user's manual to upgrade your adapter. Fujifilm X Webcam 2.1 adds nostalgic negative film simulation compatibility. 
Fujifilm X webcam version 2.1 has just been released. The software update incorporates the following issue. Compatibility with the nostalgic negative film simulation has been added. You can download the latest version at the Fuji website. And of course, you can find that link in the show notes for this article or for this episode. And now that Fuji rumors for this week is wrapped up, let's move on over to Sony Alpha rumors to wrap up this episode. First up, two new E-mount lenses, the Lomo 17mm f2.8 and the Tokina 65mm T1.5. I haven't reported yet about these two new E-mount lenses. Tokina announced the new 65mm T1.5 cinema lens that you can pre-order at B&H Photo for $7,499. Lomo has announced the new 17mm f2.8 E lens that you can pre-order on Kickstarter. And that is the Lomography Atoll uh, lens that I covered in an earlier segment that's available on Kickstarter. Uh, So that is it for this article. And we'll move on to see what else we have from Sony Alpha Rumors for this week. Next up, new Sony A1 reviews by Chris and Jordan from DP Review TV. The DP Review TV team tested the Sony A1. Check out their findings, and there's accompanying YouTube videos from their channel on this, as well as Loke's take on the new camera from Loke's channel. Now, if you don't remember, Loke is the gentleman that was the videographer for Digital Rev TV back when Kai was the presenter. Um, He's a really great guy, really funny, and he releases a lot of great videos, so I highly recommend you check out both videos from both channels both channels excuse me the new camelan 32 millimeter f 1.1 aps e mount lens has been announced just as i reported on this lens in the previous segment the chinese company camelan announced the new 32 millimeter f 1.1 aps e mount lens it will be available for sale on their store on February 12th for a price of around $300. I guess it will be available on Amazon as well, and you can already buy their 50mm 1.1 lens there on uh, Amazon and their online store as well. So that will be coming out soon, and you may want to head on over there to check out the pre-orders, especially if you're a Sony E-mount shooter. They do look like a couple of interesting lenses and at f1.1 it would be interesting to see i'm gonna to have to do a little research on them and see if there's any major issues with distortion chronomatic aberration vignetting or anything like that being they are an f1.1 next up new sony 35 millimeter f1.4 gm tested at dp review a lens that's easy to love the Sony 35mm GM pre-orders are available at B&H Photo, Adorama, Amazon, in Europe at Amazon Denmark, UK, France, Italy, Spain, Netherlands, uh, Photocotch, Photo Earnhardt, Calumet DE, Wex UK, and Park UK. This lens retails for $1,398. Uh, DP Review f- published the full frame 30 uh, Sony, th- uh, blah, blah, excuse me, the full Sony 35mm f1.4 GM review. Quote, the Sony FE35 f1.4 GM is a lens that, so long as you get along with the 35mm field of view, is easy to love. It provides the kind of sharpness wide open that we just couldn't 
uh, wouldn't have expected to see in fast primes up until the last few years. Build quality is pretty much without fault, but the size and weight remain reasonable. This is all the more impressive considering that the Sony 35 F1.4 GM optically outperforms the older and larger Zeiss Distagon 35mm F1.4 ZA in nearly every way while coming in at a lower price and smaller size. On the other hand, we were a little surprised to find that the Sigma 35 F1.2 DGDN focuses much faster. In real-world shooting, though, it's unlikely to be an issue. Really, the only aspect of the FE 35 1.4 GM that might be a major issue for still shooters is its uh, lower chromatic uh, LOCA performance. Thankfully, it only shows up in, on, a, on especially high contrast edges and at the widest aperture. You can get rid of your uh, get rid of it yourself, and uh, even in challenging scenes by f two or so. And though it's something to be aware of, this is still the best performance for thirty five millimeter lenses that you'll find for Sony E mount in this regard. Beyond the Loca, we can't complain about the bokeh, sunstars, flare resistance, nor close focus distance. So in short, this lens really is the long overdue choice for professionals and advanced amateurs. They're in the market for a fast E-mount 35mm prime for portraits, travel, landscape, journalism, or what have you. That makes it easily worthy of strong recommendation and our highest award. And that is coming from Chris and Jordan at DP Review. Next up, more Sony A1 reviews with Kai Man Wong, Ted Forbes, and Gordon Lang. And these gentlemen all put out their latest YouTube videos on the Sony Alpha A1. You can check them all out for yourself from their YouTube channels. And of course, this link will be included in the show notes for this uh, episode, so you can check it out for yourself. There are several videos here, not just the three that are mentioned. So you may want to swing by and check all the videos out from all of these different influencers before you make the decision to pull the trigger on that $6,500 body. And last up from Sony Alpha Rumors for this week, Dave Mays, how the Sony A7S changed the film industry forever. Dave Mays, back in 2013, Sony announced the A7S and changed the film industry forever. In this video, Dave Mays tells the story of how the original A7S hybrid camera evolved into the A7S II and the S3. The S3 is available to Adorama, B&H Photo, Amazon, Focus Camera, Photo Kotz, Calumet DE, Wex UK and Park UK. And of course, you can check out Dave's video from his YouTube channel in the show notes for this episode. And that is going to wrap up all of our latest news and rumors for the week of February 7th, 2021. Remember to check out the Liam Photography Podcast Facebook group. It is a private group and you must answer a security question to join, which is the name of the host of the show, myself, Liam. And I've also opened it up to allow you to give the name of a previous guest on the show to show that you are a listener. Once you are in the group, you are free to post your own original work. I'm also the admin of the Fujifilm GFX 50R group, which is the largest group for the 50R on Facebook. If you own or plan to own the 50R, you can request to join that group, but you do have to answer two security questions to join that group. You can find my work at liamphotography.net and follow me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at liamphotoatl. If you like abandoned buildings and history, you can find my projects at forgottenpiecesofgeorgia.com and forgottenpiecesofpennsylvania.com. 
right, that is going to wrap up this week's episode. I want to thank all of my listeners once again for subscribing, rating, and reviewing in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Amazon Music, anywhere else you might be getting your podcasts. And to also remind you to check out the Facebook group, the first book from the Forgotten Pieces of Georgia, the Northwest Counties, is now available. You can buy a signed copy at leonphotography.net online store, or you can pick up an unsigned copy from amazon.com or barnesandnoble.com. Also, please be kind enough to stop by and check out my YouTube channels, which the links will be in the description for this episode. My Aperture Assassin channel, which is my basic photography channel with news, rumors, reviews, photo tips, stuff like that. And also the Project YouTube channels for Forgotten Pieces of Georgia and Forgotten Pieces of Pennsylvania. All right, that is a wrap, and I will see you all again in another seven days.